0: I wanna be Why
1: don't you call my name? KFI AM 640. This is the Bill Handel Show. Bill had to leave his voice is completely shot. And we're bringing on Dr. Jim Keeney now. Let me bring you on first before I tell everybody this important news about you. Good morning, sir. Good morning. You are the chief of staff elect at Mission Hospital in Mission Viejo in Laguna Beach, California. Congratulations. Thank you. When is your inauguration?
0: Well, it's, it's actually, uh, Bill keeps doing this, too. This is a position that lasts a whole year. This is not new news. And it's a, it's a position, and it's part of what you do uh, for a year, and then you become chief of staff. So it's just a process.
1: Wait, I don't understand. Was there an election? Was there an Did people vote?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so oh. you be you, they elect you as chief of staff. So they, you start as a secretary treasurer for the first year to kind of get to know the process. Right. And the second year, you're, you're chief of staff elect, mm-hmm. and then you get more involved. And by the time you're chief of staff, you have the experience to be able to do it.
1: Well, congratulations. Thank you. Now, let's talk about this amazing <laughs> medical development. And uh, just a quick, you know, it's a PG-13 situation because it is an Army veteran who had a full- Penis and scrotum transplant at Johns Hopkins. How big a deal is this, medically speaking?
0: Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, this is uh, nearly a first. I mean, they've done it in another cancer patient before. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a, a big deal because it's an area that probably most people... Uh, don't you know? Don't talk about. Don't want to address. Uh, but you know, when you have a visible amputation of a limb or something like that, you, people understand. Hey, you know, the person would sure like to get that function back. Um, but there are there are many injuries, hundreds of genital injuries in war and in other uh, settings, where uh, people would like to get that function back. And and so this is a, a big step towards that.
1: There's a a former Army psychiatrist uh, who also wrote a book about injuries in war and intimacy, and she said that this is one of the very first questions soldiers ask after a big injury is whether their private parts were harmed.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, it's a big concern. I mean, obviously, uh, when when you get uh, injured in the abdomen, the, the upper part of the lower extremities, uh, that's going to be a, a concern for a lot of people. I mean, it's it's an important part of life for most people, even though it's not necessarily dinner conversation every day.
1: So here, I know that cancer patient you spoke of, I don't think it was as extensive as what happened here. Penis, scrotum, and also part of the uh, abdominal wall all had to be taken from a donor who who died, we don't know anything about the donor, and uh, put onto this guy. What are all the things you've got to do to attach all that stuff?
0: Right. So a lot of times, what you're when you're including uh, this extra tissue, it's either because uh, the don- the recipient required that because of the abdominal wall injury, uh, and I I haven't been able to just to kind of learn the details of whether maybe that uh, part of that abdominal flap was necessary. Uh, as part of the vasculature, you know, to allow this a better chance to heal. So, um, you know, and, and any tissue, you have veins, arteries, and nerves, and you have to hook those up, and you plan that ahead of time on where the major, uh, vein, arteries, and nerves are that you need to hook back up. Uh, and in the case of a penis, you have the urethra, and you need to reconnect that, um, and, uh, to allow it to function normally. And so, They they do all that, but apparently it took a team of 11 doctors, there's nine plastic surgeons and two urologists uh, that uh, did a 14-hour surgery to make this happen. So we're talking about microsurgery where we're under a microscope and and, uh, sewing together small blood vessels with with thread that's finer than the finest hair you can imagine.
1: Let's say that you attach the veins and the arteries, but not the nerves. What do you get in terms of functionality?
0: Well, um, you you don't get obviously sensation. Uh, you may not get the full function of uh, of a penis, and uh, you know. And then the other issue is that nerves are actually important to maintain uh, tissue a lot of times because if you're not feeling, uh, for example, when there's pressure against your skin, you can get a pressure ulcer. You can get uh, and that can damage the tissue. So you know you don't think about it because you naturally, if you're leaning against something and there's something sharp pushing against your arm that it necessarily it wouldn't cut you but might cut off the blood flow, you just move your arm, you don't think twice about it. But if you don't have that sensation, then suddenly, like diabetics who lose sensation in their feet from damage uh, to the nerves from high blood sugar, uh, they could get a rock in their shoe and uh, for you, you just take off your shoe and remove the rock. For them, they walk around on it all day long and then end up with an ulcer on the bottom of their foot. So you really need all of it for it to work.
1: These doctors were faced with a moral dilemma in doing this. Specifically, they did not include the uh, testes of the donor. Right? Was that the right call?
0: Yeah, I think so, right, because, I mean, that's an area of ethics that we really haven't explored is, you know, a testicular transplant would allow uh, that person to produce sperm from the donor and so now you'd have donor children potentially uh, procreated by the recipient. So, whose kids are they? <laughs> you know, and uh, and who's their mom and dad, and who who is their family at that point? It's very, it gets very confusing. Uh, and we already have these issues with sperm donation, and that's already done. So, I'm sure in the future, if we walked through that process uh, ahead of time, then maybe that would make more sense. But in this case, I think you're already kind of potentially blowing the minds of some donors. And and you know this is probably challenging as well for the recipient uh, as far as you know getting your head around this type of donation, and so uh, you know why complicate the first case of this with that uh, ethical issue? So to me, it seems like let's just get you know function. Let's first make sure we can get function back, uh, and then worry about this ethical dilemma maybe later on. Because if this doesn't work. Then there's no point in a testicular transplant because there's no way to get the the sperm you know to impregnate anyone so you don't need it.
1: Let me ask you this question. I'm sort of sad this will be not sad but weird. This will be the last question that I get to ask you about this. If you transplant one man's testes into another man, will they yeah. make sperm that is the the donor's sperm indefinitely or at some point. Do they switch over and start producing sperm that are the sperm of the recipient?
0: Well, I think the assumption would be that they, because those, that tissue has the DNA from uh, the donor, that forever it will make uh, donor sperm. Uh, that would be a shocker if somehow the uh, you know the, the DNA in the cells actually transfer over. Uh, so I, I really don't think that would happen. But, you know, since it's not something that's ever been done, who knows? You know, you never know. But I I think that, you know, if you just kind of use logic and and scientific reasoning here, that it would be the donor's sperm forever.
1: Wow. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much and congratulations to you. (laughs) And we will talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Take care. All right. Dr. Jim Keeney, there he goes.